Yes. What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched In and of Itself, a new film that just got released on Friday on Hulu. And it is a film of a one-man show that played off-Broadway. Um, Derek Delgaudio's? Yes. Yes. I say his name. That's how I would say it. But I have to say, it is very much a film and not just a film of a stage. Yeah, no, play I, I, in a I, way. Yeah, different than when we reviewed Puffs and One Man Two Governors, which were really more film. They're still film. You can't call yeah. it a stage. It's not a replacement for seeing it live, mm-hmm. but it's a close. It's trying to experience. replicate the experience of seeing it live. Very specifically. And and this, I think, in no small part by being directed by Frank Oz, who has a very filmic sense, was willing to take it to the next step of enhancing it through film rather than strictly showing you a single performance. Yeah, and so I think this will be a great example to talk about, not necessarily us, but film buffs, yeah. scholars, also about us. the... The hybridity of live performance and um, film, mm-hmm. film of live performance, which is really a big discussion going on now in performance studies and theater studies, even more so as the pandemics come along. And that's how a lot of people are experiencing theater it's right now. Through screens. It's through screens. And yeah. whether it's like... The production qualities of national theater are coming from, like, very sophisticated filmmaking tech and a lot of money, whereas more local mm-hmm. productions that are doing things are on a much smaller... On a local scale. <laughs> a much local scale. So, I guess uh, Felicity has something to say. <laughs> it's playtime. Uh, I think... You, how did you describe this movie um so i struggled like i I knew very little about it going into it i had so it was originally on stage in like 2007 2000 or 2017 2018 um so a few years ago now Mm -hmm. and neil patrick harris tweeted about it constantly yeah i saw Um, him as one of the producers i now see he was one of the producers of the stage show which kind of makes sense Mm because neil patrick harris doesn't actually use social media except for promotional things so the fact that he was like on Instagram talking about it all the time makes more sense when you know he was a producer of the Broadway show, um, or off Broadway, the New York show. Um, and it was always sort of shrouded in mystery. Like you would see these I am cards, or you'd see a picture of the wall, and without any context. And as far as marketing went, I was certainly intrigued. I was mm-hmm. like, hmm, this sounds interesting. Um, I described it to you as a one-man monologue slash magic show. Yes. Um, yeah. Which I still think is actually a pretty darn good act description of it. Like yes. If you're going to boil it down into something like that. I thought so too. So I thought that was a good way to quickly summarize for the audience who hasn't yeah. seen it. Um, I will say, go watch this. Because like, we are going to spoil the heck out of it. And it yes. is a show that is meant to be experienced fresh, I think. I think it is a show that re- can benefit from repeat viewings. Yes. Um, but it is crafted... I mean, it's a magic show. It's mm-hmm. And a magic show, some would argue, loses something if you know what the trick is in advance. Or you know what to expect. Yeah. How it to turn out. Um, 
because I, I would say it is definitely a magic show first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell you that it's a magic show. It kind of pretends it's not, but it is. Um, and I like magic shows, so that was a good thing for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, just the our, our normal disclaimer, these are first oh, no. impressions ow, with ow. no... That is that is too much Take fighting. A... Oh, that one little, got me good. Little pause for the podcast. Yeah, she has been fired for the day. Yeah, sorry, um, podcast. And will not not be joining us anymore. Uh, yeah. So yes, first sorry. impressions, spoilers, no research, no research. Of, uh, I knew nothing of this. I was totally blind coming in. I hadn't heard of it until mm-hmm. you gave it as one of the options, and we watched the trailer. So this is like really. Really, first impressions. Yes. Not knowing, um, not knowing what to expect going in, and then yeah. reacting to it in the moment. Well, the trailer, sh- I think, gives you a very good sense of what to what it expect, feels like. What it feels yeah. like. I would agree with that. I think that I think it does do a really good job of that, um, giving you an idea of like, okay, I kind of know what I'm in for without ruining the surprise of a magic trick. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I do think that the letters one was ruined. Oversight, by, yes. Because yes. I was expecting that one. And the way that it's structured in the show is to make it kind of the uh, pr- almost climactic yeah. magic trick. Yeah. And um, I think it certainly in the moment feels climactic when you get to that. And he's describing the trick and does what all great magicians do, which is, I don't say all, so many great magicians do, which is tell you exactly what he's going to do in a way that you don't quite believe him because you know he's lying to you. And then he does the thing that seems impossible, which is what he said he was going to do. Yeah. So the the (laughs) trick is he calls, uh, everybody has a ticket that they choose before the performance yeah, so or arguably the should, performance back up a bit. what is the shape oh, of okay. this performance okay <laughs> so what i get i'm guessing as you go into a lobby mm-hmm. space and you, there's a wall there's a wall of tickets that say i am a thing mm-hmm. and and there's the wall is full and i think as there's far as I tell, it's unique each one of each them one's is unique there's only one of each it could be um a career, it could be a trait. Yeah, an it adjective, be, a ninja. I am a dreamer. I am yeah. a ninja. I am organized. Mm-hmm. I am a teacher. Yeah. Um, and, and we're given the impression that there's a few hundred choices to pick yeah. from. Yeah. Anything you kind of could imagine. Yeah. But depending on when you get to the wall could also affect what you get and what yeah. might have been your first choice. Yeah. But you don't know because somebody off already. Yeah. Um, so if you get there early, there's lots of choices. And if you're there towards the end, there are fewer choices. Yeah. So you, you pick that up. Which, from a performance standpoint, like, independent of literally everything else that comes after, I thought was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was a great... That in itself is great audience interactivity. Yeah. With a show, like, a good... I, I thought it was going to be a dramaturgical audience engagement sort mm-hmm. of thing. And it kind of, it's definitely dramaturgical, yes. it's, but it, it fits into the whole piece and it's a necessary element yes. to make the show go. To make the magic tricks work. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Because um, so yeah. a lot of times, if you don't see a lot of theater with a lot of like dramaturgy 
activities in mm-hmm. the, in the uh, the lobby it can be th- things where there are displays mm-hmm. and you're asked to write down something from a prompt prompt yeah. and and put it up on the display and then you can come as the audience member as the show goes on more and more things are going to be put mm-hmm. on all of which is, is designed to, you know, bring the show out of the theater to a certain extent, but also to encourage engagement and interaction and contemplation. And connection among, uh, among audience members who don't know each other, who yeah. may not be there even for the same performance. Yeah. So it's it's community building. It's um, becoming a part of the experience of the production mm-hmm. itself. Yes. Um, so yes, you come in, you pick a pick a tag off the wall, and that becomes your ticket. So the stage manager usher, um, not stage stage manager wouldn't be doing that. The usher, <laughs> because it's a magic show, I wouldn't be surprised if it was someone like yeah, the stage manager. Yeah, it was important. Um, but the, what you're presented is the ticket tickets taker. are yeah. not just randomly um, being yeah. picked up. There is a system, I'm sure. Yeah. To it, so you you. Pull off the ticket part that says what you are. Mm-hmm. So you get to keep the I am part of it. And if you say I'm an organized person, you hand over the part that says. Yes, yeah, and that gets put in the stack. Uh-huh. And that stack is then put on a table on stage mm-hmm. for the rest of the show. Like it never leaves visibility, which is why I think it's important this is a live show. I'm not this, obviously, we don't see it 100% of the time. But dramaturgically, in a live show and in a magic show, Putting something so clearly on stage and then never talking about it for the first, like, 60% of the show mm-hmm. um, is a very important thing. We're going we're gonna to do something here. Yeah. This is five, but we don't... I mean, it's there, and you know it's there, but we're not so calling attention to it. Anticipatory. Yeah. Um. I Yeah, so I think the story of it is loosely st- structured in almost six acts mm-hmm. six large six units chambers. of action <laughs> right six chambers which represent the from the first story is a story about a game of russian roulette mm-hmm. um one bullet six yeah, chambers wrote, literally one of the very first things i wrote down he's like i'm going to tell you a story about a sailor and i wrote down a story about a story about a sailor um because he's not telling us the story. He's telling us of but, a time someone told him this story. Which yeah. he doesn't say that's what he's doing, but it is what he does. Yes. Which I thought was narratively very, I think, tricky to to f- further remove us from what's going on um, in an attempt to... While making us think that we are closer than we actually are to mm-hmm. what's going on. And I have to say throughout the movie, I was like, I'm going to have to see this again. I'm going to have to watch this again. Um, Because there are so many kind of layers and meaning. Mm -hmm. And I did want to see a version of it without all of the filmmaking parts. Yeah. Because I wanted to see those tickets never moved from from the desk. And like um, to just focus on what was already a deeply there stage show yes um, because what the filmmaking aspects of it is they bring in animation mm-hmm. um little shorts as he's describing the stories. stories when you're an audience member though and it, it didn't look like those animations were being projected, projected on the stage yeah. so when you're an audience member in the theater and he's telling those stories you're only looking at him 
and the the fairly bare stage. Yeah. So you're um you're, you're looking at those tickets. Like... You're looking at what's the pictures in the six chambers. Mm-hmm. Um and there was a moment when one of the audience members cuz one of them comes up on stage. We'll get to that. The thing that he wrote out was like kind of review it describing it and the little windows as the representing the six chambers of the revolver mm-hmm. and i was like oh i totally didn't get that oh, i got that immediately <laughs> well i think the reason i didn't get that yeah. and you it this, this clearly worked for you you yeah. got it um was because i hadn't i wasn't in the audience staring, staring at, at that wall yeah. for the whole time and yeah. thinking about it because i was getting distracted by the, the animation and, the, yeah. and going, okay, like I can clearly tell that a lot of these close-up shots were filmed without an audience mm-hmm. in the theater. Um, the changing audience, the re- repetition of seeing different audience members come up for the same trick over many mm-hmm. nights. So that was where my attention was. And then I, I was like, how did I not get that faster? <laughs> That's like performance analysis 101. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but it's uh, nice to see the interpretation of the stage show where it's not, or this is a film. Yes, they, they took this the is effort to make it a film um, that is just based on what I suspect is a very good stage show. Yeah, which is why I think that it could go to the film festivals. Like, I think it premiered at South by... That wouldn't surprise me at all. 2020, yeah. which we didn't have, but yeah. perhaps <laughs> virtual. <laughs> schedule. <laughs> um, so a lot of independent... I, I don't know of many films of stage shows that do the film yeah. circuit. Well, um, like, even uh, Hamilton, festivals. I think, is a great example of a stage show that is not a film. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love the stage, the filmed version of Hamilton, but they deliberately did not add any filmic elements. Like there are definitely like camera angles and moving around, but their goal was to preserve preserve the film or preserve the stage show in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was designed not to do that and to do things that film can do, right? Like showing night after night. Here's the same thing that happens every night, but it happens differently. Yeah. Because a different person is involved and the audience is different. And mm-hmm. um, So, yes, I think I think that is one of its strengths, is being able to see that. And something that enhances the experience in a way that seeing it live doesn't. I think seeing it live is different, not better. But being able to see the journey of the log or see different ways people reacted to the letter um, is it did a thing which is that it told me this is getting back to the magic I don't know if you know this Amy, but I love magic I think you know this I, about me I do know, you this. know this about me I, I don't know if our do. audience knows this about me I do know I this I love magic I love stage magic so much and close up magic and I don't I'm, like, I'm not good at all of them but I love them and um, anytime you film a magic trick, there is a certain amount of work you have to do because I, as the audience member, don't believe any of it. 
I know how film works. Film is always lying to me. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. A magician's lying to me. But you have to tell me this. You can't show me a film's magic trick and make me think it's real. Because, well, it's film. Those are all actors. It's all fake. It's all staged. But by showing me a series of people experiencing the magic trick one after another. Siri just paused, jumped up because I said experiencing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Experiencing the same trick and reacting differently over and over and over again is still a lie, possibly, but it's more believable. And it's it's answering that unasked question of, that's just an audience plant. Right. Then you're <laughs> like, oh, well, if it's an audience plant, they had a lot of plants they had to yeah. cycle through. Which I wouldn't put past them. No. Because that's the, Cause the, the, the trick of all magic is they put in ten times more work than you would ever expect them to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to do something that looks real simple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it could have all been lies, but I don't think it was. I think mm-hmm. the trick was somewhere else. That was even more work than just getting an audience plant to react. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what made them good magic tricks. Uh, yeah. So, as you can tell, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I enjoyed it as a magic show, I think, because it did something new with the format definitely that i have not seen in a magic show yet i think the closest it came is like penn and teller do some really interesting philosophical stuff with their shows but i do think it's a magic show first more of a one-man monologue second and the trailer to me said one-man show first yes with a little bit of magic thrown in and so um, I wonder if that's also reflected in some of the reviews and press mm-hmm. around of it. Um, but I would call it a magic show. A magic show, because I thought the magic elements were much stronger than the story. Yes, elements. Yeah, as as two folks who have seen a fair amount of solo performance and who have studied a lot of these sorts of things, like that half of it was fine. Without the magic tricks, it would have been mediocre (laughs) i think that's because it was missing things and i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt because Mm -hmm. one of the big things themes is you don't see a person you Mm -hmm. don't see the past events that make them who they are you don't know the story kind of behind the story Mm -hmm. so the the stories given were um not not quite surface level but weren't developing the world of the story yes. and kind of all of the the context and what it meant and mm-hmm. um i guess they weren't deeply developed yeah and so and i can see that not being a bad writing choice but seeing it as it's it is definitely a choice that carries the theme mm-hmm. of of the play but was very disconcerting for me was the eleven the level of emotion uh he evokes Mm -hmm. and seems to feel as he's telling these stories Mm -hmm. because that to me disconnected with the story that i was hearing Mm. said so again i'm getting the benefit of the doubt that that's part of Mm -hmm. the who someone is you don't know the whole story like these are things that are said in the show um are clearly themes. Yes. The, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I, I do think I agree with that. I think because it's a magic show first, I 
come into it not believing anything the magician says. Right. Um, and he even has, as again, so many magicians do, has a monologue at the beginning about how you can't believe anything I'm about to tell you. Yes. And he, again, being a film, he takes it a step further and you don't hear him on stage giving this monologue. You hear it in a voiceover. Mm-hmm. Um, and him talking about the fact that it's a film, so you, of course you can't trust anything that he's talking about. You can't trust or believe any of this. Um, and then he goes so far as to make you believe it anyway. Yeah, well, I sort started of. getting cynical about it. And, I mean, I've talked about... It may seem like I'm never in a good mood when <laughs> we watch movies. It's because we watch them on Saturdays, which is my most very most tired day of the week. Um but I started getting cynical, and, and I'm thinking more about why, uh, and I think it was partially that disconnect between the story I'm hearing, the level of emotion that he's showing, mm-hmm. that, like, as an empath myself, mm-hmm. like, I, that affects me. Yeah. Um, and it clearly affected the audience. I, I felt like the audience, I wanted to be in the audience because I knew that they were seeing a different show and experiencing something different yes. than I was. And it felt like one of those moments when the audience was just as much a character mm-hmm. in the show um, as any other element yeah. um, apart. So there's, a, yeah, the disconnect from the story, the feelings he was showing, how that was affecting the audience and this idea that possibly nothing is real mm-hmm. or true mm-hmm. in this. And I, w- that was not a good mix for my emotional state. Because <laughs> I think, I think I had a very similar reaction, but I think when I get to that moment of none of this could be true, my default is cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, normally mine is too, yeah. but it felt so emotionally manipulative. Yes. And I think because the the structure, especially when they got to the letter trick, mm-hmm. where an audience member seemingly randomly chosen based mm-hmm. on their ticket, you know, and that was different every yeah. night. Yeah. It wasn't just the unicorn every single. Yeah. It was always a different ticket. Time comes up. And they, he gives them a bunch of letters to choose from mm-hmm. to pick one. They that pick. Again, have been on stage the whole time. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so they have it's it's random pick. Yeah. Seems like they, from the they audiences can pick from that pile of letters, which one they want to answer. Yeah, read. right. Which one? And they pick it up, and it says something on the back, like friend, daughter, mother. Mm-hmm. And he asks, "Do you have a friend? A friend? A mother? You have a father?" Um, and they were all like, yes. Um, and the letter is from said friend, mm-hmm. daughter, mother, everything. And the audience member is so overwhelmed yeah, they, with they emotion. And like, how world. did you do this? Yeah. And, the, and the feeling I got where all the letters were very personal mm-hmm. and moving. Mm-hmm. Um, people were moved to tears. And because that structure to me was so evocative of... Like the psychics, like John Edwards, mm-hmm. those shows of yes, I mean, someone with the letter M. Yes. Does someone have a relative, the letter M, and those mm-hmm. tricks that yes, that that's psychics, psychics use, use, which is really another form of of magic. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're the same pool of tools. 
and it's highly manipulative and it and it's di- and it's dishonest in the fact that they present it as real and people believe it's real yes and pay money believing it's real believing they're getting in touch yes which is not happening here no this no he's doing he's doing these in unethical psychic tricks very ethically <laughs> Yes, but because I know that <laughs> not everything's real, some things yeah. aren't true, you can't believe what you see, mm-hmm. then there's that dishonest part was bothering me. It was making yeah. me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing, but mm-hmm. it was making me real uncomfortable. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess I do a thing where I I am definitely giving it the benefit of the doubt, but I am then solving the trick in my head in a way that is absolutely giving him the benefit of the doubt and is keeping the honesty of the moment and the reaction, which it does not have to be for it to work. Um, but I am... I, I say, okay, how would I make this happen given limitless funds and opportunity? How would I make this happen in such a way that the moment the, the the audience member on stage reacts is honest how do i how do i get that letter in that envelope in their hands so that that moment can be real um he may not have been doing that but i think he was i don't know i believe <laughs> which i shouldn't oh well i yeah it's, it, this is a different approach for watching magic um, I'm not always trying to solve how they're doing it because that takes away mm-hmm. the yeah. the magic. Because okay, you and I watch magic shows differently, I think differently. we've established. But I was, I mean, I was thinking throughout this of how some of the the things mm-hmm. were done, and I have some ideas of of um, what was happening. But I mean, in the case, I think the question of ethics around the letter <laughs> is is an interesting one because if the audience members aren't plants, if they really are randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not sign up to be emotionally vulnerable on stage. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and that, that is an ethical thing to explore. Not necessarily bad or unethical, but something. Yeah. And it's, yeah, because it's, it's certainly not like, we're not shown anyway, someone opening a letter and saying, I'm not your real dad. They're, they're all presented as very supportive and loving and and vulnerable letters coming from a person who who cares deeply about this audience member well and and this trick really mirrors the earlier trick of the ship's log where um so earlier in the show he chooses someone to come back he just he has someone volunteer Mm -hmm. to come back to the next night's performance Mm -hmm. and they have to promise to to do come that. Back. Yeah, you have to come back tomorrow. And then he brings up on stage someone who is at yesterday's performance. Mm-hmm. And they bring with them what he calls the ship's log. And, and it's a metaphor of what a ship's log mm-hmm. is and, and does. And the audience member has to write in something. They, they're they forced to leave before the show ends, so they don't get to see how it ends the first time they watch it, and they mm-hmm. have to kind of fill in what they think. Yes. And and so you, the film montage of seeing all the things, you know, which looks awesome. I'm not like, 
Uh, it's like an archive dream. Yeah, like as as a physical object and as a process, it was so amazing. <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, and they're asked to come up on stage and read what they've written. Mm-hmm. And in that case, they know that that that's that can happen because they did see that part of the show on the previous night. Yes, that they were gonna. So it wasn't unexpected. Yes. To to write something that you wouldn't want. You wouldn't write something that you weren't prepared to read in front of the uh, audience. Um, or to, yeah, or to have in, in an archive, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, that other people will see will see and, and can read through. Yeah. So that happens earlier in the show, and that is the trick that mirrors the mm-hmm. one with the letter. Yes. Um, they're kind of riffs on the same. Yeah, and they're presented theme. very similarly in the show itself. Yeah. Structurally as well, yeah. like where they fall. Where they fall in the show, how they're edited together, like that is, it is definitely mirroring. Yeah, so yes, I, I think what you're trying to say is that like the log has an element of consent in it, yes. an informed consent that may or may not be present in the letters. Yes. That is concerning or at least worth exploring or discussing. I think that's fair. I think to the same end that the final trick of the show has some of that as well. Although it's it's done in a way that is less emotionally vulnerable for the people involved. I'm not sure about that. Really? Okay. As uh I so the last trick of the show, which is the, the climax. Finale. Yes. Um you're led to believe that this letter thing the is gonna last be last trick of the show minus one. Because there is one last trick. Oh, at the end. okay, yeah. But the the last big trick of the show, right? Yeah. You kind of feeling like the letter is going to be the climax, yes, of, of the show. But there, the actual climax is he ends up telling the audience what their card said. Yeah, that's which when you put it like that, it's such a like traditional magic trick. Is this your card? <laughs> right, which again has. A, a structural reflection earlier in the show yes, where he's talking he's about, about sleight of hand, decks of cards yes. and and does some absolutely amazing sleight of hand right which to me <laughs> is like okay that's what hap- that's what's happening with these cards too that's oh, the yeah, magic of, of it it's, what's happening. it's yeah. not um he's just demonstrated he's excellent yes. at the sleight of hand <laughs> so he names what everyone's card says yes and um People get incredibly emotional. Well, yes, often mm-hmm. about what's said. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. I'm. I'm gonna think about. Okay. Well, I think the, so. The thing of it is, is he he has the audience self-select to a certain extent. First, in the selection of your card, and then he asks everyone in the audience who they think their card reflects something true about them or something they want to be seen as. Mm-hmm. Stand up. And so everyone who remains sitting has selected themselves out of this process. Okay, that's true. I didn't really catch that because to me it looked like everyone stood up, but that be- could be because that audience was, everyone was cool. Yeah. But so there is, there is, and they don't know necessarily what the trick is, but in that moment he's like, he's asking you to not consent to the magic trick necessarily, but to say that, yes, what I chose was not a joke. It is something I take seriously. And I take to heart being a unicorn or being an organizer. And I view that as a facet of who I am. That the point where it's saying, I can say I am this and I believe it or want it to be true. 
And so, when he then does the trick of telling you your card, it impacts that identity that you have self-selected and then self-selected again into the trick. So I think that's why you get a bigger emotion from the audience. Because yes, I believe every single person in the audience could have stood up and he would have gone through the entire 100 plus people and done the mm -hmm. trick 100 plus times. Mm -hmm. um, which is impressive. <laughs> um, but I think that self-selection piece at the beginning of the trick is a key component of it. That doesn't make it more or less ethical. That's a difficult question. Um, I don't know that I have a strong answer for it one way or the other, but sorry, the cat is sitting on the microphone cable. I don't want it to get unplugged. <laughs> um, but I think that is why we get bigger reactions from those people. Because when he starts, you just get the little mouth twitches. You get like someone going, oh, he's looking at me and he said my card. Mm -hmm. And then it, it builds and builds. And being a film, we get to see the best reactions in a structured way mm -hmm. that absolutely, because it's not one audience, it's over dozens of audiences, that we see the most impactful and reactionary mm -hmm. responses as well. So that very much felt like anything. I don't think, I don't think he had the entire audience crying at most of his shows by the end. <laughs> Maybe he did. Yes, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. But I do think that he could have gotten lots of people to do it. Because I think when you do select this seemingly random card that means something important to you that really only you understand, because that's a big part of the message of the story, is only you can understand yourself. Like he tells that first 45, 90 minutes of the show is all about you are the only one who can see everything. And then when he sees that in you, which is how this trick is presented. Mm -hmm. That's impactful. Right. The audience is crying. He is crying. Yeah. It's emotional. Yeah. Despite or because or both, it's all fake. But I do think he's also like trying to connect with people. I think he wrote this story for because of trying to connect with people. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do something with magic that had not been done before. Trying to get people to connect yeah. with each other. And, I mean, masking a magic show in a one-man monologue show. <laughs> yeah. In, in an off-Broadway <laughs> kind of way. Yeah. Like, it's not what you expect. <laughs> it's a good magic trick. Yeah. I was just thinking specifically of... Well, one, like, I'm a very private person. I can definitely see me choosing... An attribute that I don't want others, <laughs> not ready for the whole world to yeah. know about. Yeah. So I guess then in, in that case, my choice is to stay seated. <laughs> Although I, I, as the audience member, would don't know, know that. Yeah. that that was That's what I was say. Going. But it, it was really obvious to me when, like, he said it to Tim Gunn. I think it was Bill Gates. It was definitely Bill Gates. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you do if you're... A, like recognizable person and you're gonna have this thing read that you then people are gonna judge you yeah on i judged bill gates on his choice right bill gates is leader yeah tim gunn said good samaritan yeah and so i'm like okay those are i i don't think tim gunn could do anything that would like hurt my heart ever because he's such a good samaritan <laughs> a good samaritan he seems like a really good person <laughs> But that that seemed like 
extra vulnerability yes. when other people know you yeah. and you I don't agree. know them. And I think some of that has to be dealt with in the selection of words that are on the cards to begin with. Because it's not a random selection of words on the card. They're not universally positive. They're, they're mm -hmm. intentionally complex, I would argue. Mm -hmm. But like there was one that was reflection. The reflection had was one of the main people that came mm -hmm. up. And I thought that's a really fascinating thing to say about yourself, is I yeah. am a reflection. It's very ambiguous. Yeah. It doesn't give... Um, but not, not inherently positive or negative, necessarily, but very specifically chosen um, as a word to put on a card to put on this wall. Uh, that I think... I think that selection of the words for the cards was done very carefully, mm -hmm. I suspect. Yes. Yeah. Really... Well, I think the last kind of the last point he makes before he starts this final trick is that your identity can only exist when someone else sees it in mm -hmm. you. Yes, and so this is the literal he's seeing he's in, you, in you, um, and, which is profound. Yeah. It hits the profound boxes <laughs> about self and story and yeah. myth making and identity you sound a little disappointed that it's hitting all of i those. don't know why i just feel cynical coming out of this That's and okay. like it it could be just the emotional state yeah i went into with it yeah. um but there, there's something there's something off i can't put my finger on this <laughs> how i feel and maybe next week i'll feel better or maybe the next time i see it i'll feel yeah this is one that's gonna stick in my brain for a while yeah because it seems like something i should really enjoy i like the questions about you know bringing up you don't know someone's whole story mm -hmm. you don't know the things behind that made them who they are today like those are all fascinating themes to explore and i like yeah. engaging in those questions and in books and, shows and i think this and... explores them in a, in a really interesting way mm -hmm. um, through through personal stories and i think i think the the one kind of big trick we haven't talked about is the brick mm -hmm. which i think is a fascinating magic trick where the trick itself is not the magical part the trick itself is when he throws the brick on the ground. Um, he pulls it out of the bus. Mm -hmm. so he tells the story of discovering his mother was gay as a very young child, being mostly okay with it because mm -hmm. it's his mom. He's not going to get mad at his mom. He didn't know otherwise. And then yeah. coming to learn the hate that is directed at gay people through things like bricks being thrown through his window. Mm -hmm. And he says this while seated next to a gold brick smashed through a window. Um, and then he pulls the brick out, and then he throws it on the floor. And that is the magic trick, despite having no magic elements at all. What he does with the brick later is a stage illusion mm -hmm. that is less interesting than the magic trick he did with the brick, which is he took a random, normal gold brick, brick painted it gold, and imbued it with meaning in a way that that was obvious to everyone. And I think that's... That was very impactful to me, of of being able to say, you know, I'm sorry I turned this brick into something terrible by showing you, by telling you a story. And he's like, I'll get rid of the brick to make you feel better. And then he makes it disappear in a magical way and then sends it to somewhere in New York City. All of which is the magic trick, mm -hmm. but not what is interesting and not what is magical about that segment. Is that he made you 
think something else about the brick. Yeah. He transformed that brick in front of our very eyes. <laughs> By telling us a story. Yeah, and then he told us that he had transformed. See, I, I just don't... I'm not amazed in the same way. <laughs> I'm amazed in that... So it's it's misdirection. That's That's what it is, is you think... The magic trick is when he makes the brick disappear on the table without touching it. That's what seems like the magic trick, but that is misdirection. The actual magic, and this is not, it's not magical in the sense that it's difficult or impossible to do. We do this all the time. This is what storytelling is, is we change meaning through storytelling. We, that, you and I know this because we understand how media works. So him doing that and pointing it out is not unusual or magical. But it is the magic trick part of a, a larger trick. The actual making a brick disappear is misdirection. So he inverted the structure of a magic trick in a way that I found really fascinating. I just I just don't fully understand this. Okay. Yet. I have to keep thinking maybe, about it. Maybe, maybe see it again. Are you not understanding the way I'm describing it, or no? No, I understand the way you're okay. describing it. I don't understand why I didn't have that reaction. I don't oh, know. Okay. But I think when I saw the window on on stage, mm-hmm. a brick th- coming, cracking glass of a window, I, I automatically knew that this was going to be a story about some sort of hate crime. Sure. So I wasn't surprised <laughs> by any part of the story. Or that it came out and it was a real brick. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. He so here's the 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 way the distinction I think I think this is some of the storytelling structure stuff that you were talking about, about how the one man show half of it wasn't as developed as the magic show side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, you've heard that story before and you, you could you look at a brick halfway smashed through a glass window. And you already put that story there. Yeah. You are already putting a story there, as is arguably everybody, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but the what he's doing is he's showing us, the audience, how we do that. How we create that meaning. By making it very explicit. Even though he's not saying, like, I'm going to turn this brick into something meaningful and impactful to you. He does it and then says this is what i did which is a magic trick yes we do that all the time and that's not surprising or deep and the particular object and story he told to do that was probably very personal but not very developed okay does that make sense yeah i get i better get about what you're saying he says this is what i did yeah I, and this is what you see now. Yeah. I liked them. Yeah. That's a magic trick in a lot of ways. And like my favorite magic tricks, he tells you what he did. He explains exactly what he did in a way that doesn't actually add understanding. <laughs> in a lot of ways. He does well, I think it's like, yeah. well, yeah, of course. Yeah. People are going to attach a new meaning to the brick. That, of yes. course. That's, that's how storytelling works. That's not... <laughs> Yeah. I didn't need to be told that. <laughs> no, you did not. You have a different level of experience that you're bringing to the table. Had he done the same thing, not with the same story, obviously, but he did, had he done the same magic trick of enhancing the meaning of a rubber duck, 
I think it might have been more impactful to someone like you or I, because that's going to take more work to make that meaning, to put meaning into something that is completely devoid of it. Well, not completely devoid of it, but seems completely disconnected from the meaning that has been attached. A brick through a window has a lot of meaning attached to it already. We're just enhancing that. Mm -hmm. If he made you care deeply about a rubber duck thrown through a window, that, that would be a bigger found. magic trick. <laughs> different <laughs> you okay your eyes are oh yeah my eyes are fine okay <laughs> they're not popping out of my head or anything yeah. oh so that's i think i've said all the things i want to say but i really enjoyed it. i do think it's worth watching yeah i definitely think it's worth watching i think a lot of people will just be totally wowed i mean oh, yeah. i'm wowed yeah in the magic i'm um i think i think People will go into it not knowing what to expect, and that will enhance the experience like it does for many good magic tricks. Um, I also want more stage magic, just in general. Yeah. I feel like... I, and I want more really good stage magic. I feel like a lot of stage magic is fine. The same ten tricks getting passed oh, yeah. around. Well, and the way it starts is he's doing the cards, and those are part of oh, like the you know same so, ten... Yeah. Same ten tricks he's talking about how he learned to do the cards mm -hmm. and he's demonstrating and like nonchalantly doing it while yeah. he's talking and doing just incredible card tricks. But card tricks are like magic 101. Yes. And he takes he uh, that as the base and really, really adds on to it new and different things. Yeah. Like and I said. And elevates them. That laying out of, of the deck of card tricks to me totally set up the card tricks with the ticket stubs. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's just demonstrated how he yeah. can, you <laughs> he know, can do anything he wants with a deck of cards. Get whatever card he wants <laughs> out of there means that he can get he can get whatever whatever card, card he wants out of those out tickets of, the deck of tickets. Because he didn't have a letter for every single person in the audience. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. I don't. I. I don't believe that he did. I do believe he knew who he was picking when he pulled a card out. Yeah. He's like, oh, do we have a reflection here? Oh, yeah, okay, cool. I think, I honestly think the line about the idiot might have been a plant. Because um, it was a good joke, and nobody responded. And that feels like a card that wouldn't have been on the peg outside a little bit. Um, so I can very much see him having that in the deck, pulling and going, oh, do we have an idiot here? Oh, they didn't raise their hand. Makes sense. And then moving on, mm -hmm. which creates the illusion of a random chance event happening when the whole time he wanted to get to the reflection or mm -hmm. the unicorn or whatever. That's just my... And it's, that's not a thing I thought in the moment, but it's a thing I thought about afterwards and going like, yeah, of course he picked the wrong card first. That's a classic yeah. trick. <laughs> Is this your card? No, it's not. Oh, well, what's under your hat? Oh, it's the right card. Mm -hmm. That's that's the trick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because I I do believe any time he pulled a card, he knew what card he was pulling. Yes. And had an idea of who was behind that card. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Someone somewhere in the building working on this show was feeding information. Oh, about. I was I was reminded very specifically of there was a, a charismatic preacher on TV... Um, this was decades ago now, who would put, he would do these big, you know, TV show preacher sessions 
I hesitate to call them worship because I don't feel like that's what they were. Um, and he would wander around and God would speak to him and he would call out to people and describe their ailments and then help them be healed. And one time, the mic audio feed for the stuff going into his ear got crossed and was piped into the main feed. <laughs> Not in the room, but on the TV station, on the recording. And so you heard literally people describing like, okay, who to go to next? This is what's going on with them that had been planted, either gathered from audience members, people waiting in line, from, from questionnaires they'd filled out when they were applying to be on the show, like all of this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I was reminded of. Which again, used in that space. Dishonest. Harmful, dishonest. When you present it in the guise of a magic show and tell everyone I'm lying to you, it feels more honest. Maybe I just can't get away from the stickiness of, of those original yeah. people who prey I, on, I, on... I get it. I, I hate those people. People who those want to believe. So, so angry. I would, I would sincerely hope that nobody walked out of this show thinking he was a psychic or thinking that he had truly supernatural powers. I can't say that's not happened. Um... But I think he puts a lot of work into telling you he's lying, but then lying to you in a way that is honest. I don't, I'm struggling with the words here. <laughs> An honest Maybe liar. I mean, that's, lying that's about lying. James Randi's like autobiography. I think who's a who's a famous skeptic and mentalist mm -hmm. and magician was like an honest liar. He's like, I'm going to lie to you. I'm a magician. That's what my job is. Mm -hmm. But I would never lie to you about lying to you. <laughs> I would never pretend this is real. And he, of course, James Randi went on and did like things like, um, you know, put Yuri Geller to the test, the spoonbender, and, and basically proved that he was a fraud and all these sorts of things. I don't know who that is. Uh, late 60s, Yuri Geller was a psychic who could bend spoons with his mind and make things move telekinetically. And James Randi, who eventually went on to found the James Randi Foundation and uh, other skeptic societies, would put him to the test. He would come up with tests that could prove that he wasn't doing the thing that he said he was. And of course, was it Yuri Geller? Is that what I said? Yes, I think that's who you I think said. That's the name, I think that's the name of the guy. He would say, oh, it's because you don't believe. You know, you're, you're, there's a lot of bad psychic energy throwing off my stuff here. And... So, but you, know, you never admit defeat in that sense, but, and then frickin' Houdini before him was a skeptic who fought liars and charlatans saying they can find ghosts and things like that. So there's a long history of magicians being honest liars. And I feel like there was an intent in this show to take those lies and put and be able to use them in a way that wasn't harmful. Yeah, but they were still lies that were being used to connect people. Yeah, they were. And i i got I got squishy feelings about that. Fair. Because then is that connection that you made a lie based on a false premise? Is it a lie if you know it's a lie? I mean, you have the feelings. The feelings are real. Yes. But I don't know if everyone knows it's a lie. Yes, again, because it's done so well. Yeah, but <laughs> he can also. See. But he also like he 
tells you he's lying. Like he tells you he's yeah. lying at the beginning before he yeah. does all these things and <laughs> before he does all these impossible things. Yeah. Yeah. So and I think you're going to walk away remembering the impossible things more than what he said at the very totally fair beginning. Go find that brick at the corner of third and A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I am not saying it's bad, but I yeah, have I, I have some I complicated feelings mm-hmm. around it. I I still think people would enjoy watching it. Oh yeah would re- recommend i think there's a certain amount of safety of it being filmed that that makes it not for the people in the audience but for us the audience at home safer oh yeah, yeah. well we don't have to stand up yeah we're not going to be called on we don't yeah. have to volunteer to come back tomorrow night <laughs> um i feel like there's another thing i was going to say on this on this topic of the lies and the accomplishments Mm. Um, you know, you have your squishy feelings, and those—that's fair. That's real. Yeah, I lost. I lost the phone. Yeah. It'll never come back. No. Oh, this audience will never hear it. Maybe yeah. I'll hear it later. <laughs> of what? Uh, like, oh yeah, that was the thing I meant to say. I think. I think it's a real good, real good show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. My notes, my friend, didn't miss anything. And of course, I'm sure it made both of us go, oh, I'd really like to see that. Yeah, of course. Live. <laughs> this is nice that we have access to this, yeah. but. There's also, we didn't talk about dog and wolf time, the elephant, the Rulatista. We didn't talk about any of these things. <laughs> well, no, those are the story parts, yeah. which to me were not as strong. No. So. That's I skipped. fair. <laughs> I skipped. I just, I'm, I'm not mad that we skipped them. I just thought it was funny that, like, oh, those are the things we didn't talk about. Well, they didn't. They didn't build easily the magic tricks, but they were building on the themes yes. of, uh, of why it would take six blind men to feeling an feeling an <laughs> elephant, and they all feel one part, and they have to put their thoughts together to figure out what it is, but. What if they're wrong? What if, what about the elephant's feeling? Yeah. What if it was a magical creature with a rope for a tail and a yeah. wall for a body? And um, so again, that see, not see, real, mm-hmm. not real. Oh, yeah, it's all tied into the theme of the show. Um, dog versus wolf, which is a metaphor I haven't heard before. I've never heard when that. you look into the where the sun is rising. Yeah, the time between dog and wolf. That that felt made up for the premise of the show but it was real enough know. that it worked uh and that led us to a story of the card dealing mm-hmm. uh that he was a wolf i guess and kind of like a card shark yeah he could play the you could go to these underground poker games and he he'd was win. one of the ones he'd cheat. he'd cheat to win yeah um but what, that wasn't a strong one to me mm-hmm. of trying to to differentiate in him dog versus wolf yeah no, I, that, I, that wasn't one of my favorite yeah. parts. Uh, the, the tricks were real good in that part. But <laughs> right, because this is when he's showing all the deck of cards. Yeah. Tricks. The ones that you kind of expect. Yeah. Um, all, all magicians yeah. know some variation. Yeah, I did look this. up. He's, he is an award-winning close-up magician. Like, he, is, he has been recognized as one of the best currently in practice. 
um, which is totally fair. Mm -hmm. But the world's best close-up magician, which he may be, can only impress you so much just by doing the trick. Mm -hmm. Because the trick doesn't look like anything. (laughs) It's it's so good. It looks so easy because they do it so well. Yeah. So you have to have, and I think a lot of close-up magicians do this, you have to have a story around the trick. You have to do something with the trick because the technical aspect of it is not enough. Um, And he kind of talks about that a little bit, about being, you know, people being unimpressed by his tricks, like these Mm -hmm. magical things. He's sitting at this table full of people playing cards and he's doing impossible things and no one notices or cares. (laughs) Yeah. Any other thoughts? I don't know if I have anything else. I've kind of run out. Oh, yeah, we cover those yeah. those saying, other I, I stories. I think I think those are worth experiencing. I don't think they're worth dissecting. <laughs> because they just don't go very deeply into yeah. the metaphor of the scene unseen. Mm-hmm. Authentic self. self, real self. Yeah, who am I? Yeah. Which are good questions and worth exploring, but yeah, not not as good as the magic tricks that go along with them. Right. Do you have anything else? We should talk about our Patreon. Yeah, talk about our Patreon. Kitty, talk about our Patreon. Ow, ow, <laughs> ow. She would like Look us to that. stop so that she can bite us some more. Yeah. Um, we have a Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash five degrees. We got a website, five degrees between dot us. No W's, no comms. Uh, you can give us money per episode. We don't have a release schedule. It's been a few weeks since we last put out an episode because we don't have a release episode schedule. But So you can uh, cap your mo- pledge monthly as well if you so desire. So you don't want to pay us $200 an episode and then have and us put out 30 episodes in a month. Because so we'll do it. We won't <laughs> do it. That's too much work. I don't, if you pay 200 bucks an episode, I might put out an episode a month. <laughs> or an episode a day for a month. Yeah, I but you can keep us from taking all your money by putting a cap on your monthly pledge. (laughs) That's the point I was trying to make. Yes. What do they get for backing us on Patreon, Amy? They get some special privileges, like the unedited before and after the podcast. Secret audio. Get to hear us talking to our cat even more. Even more. Even more. Uh, You can get a list of the other movies we didn't watch, because Kevin usually gives me a list of about five Mm -hmm. movies, and then I pick one and we watch that, and some of them appear later on, future lists. even get turned into podcasts. Yeah, and they get, yeah, watched. And... I think those are the all Those are the perks. perks. That's it. That's it. That's all the perks. (laughs) Um, the show is always going to be free. Uh, that's why patronage is such a cool model, in our opinion. Uh, so we're always going to put it out there just on your favorite RSS reader, podcatcher. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us, tell your friends, mm-hmm. tell your friends' friends, tell random people on the street. That was our um, promotional system for Bad Philosophy for a long time. We would just walk up to people at uh, campus, on our campus, and tell them to go to badphilosophy.com. That totally sounds like a bunch of college student guys. It was. Yep. Badphilosophy.com. Tell your friends. Uh, Tell your friends about five degrees between us. We talk about movies and stuff. Say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.